Okay, you all good? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Welcome back to the B2C Lead Gen Podcast. My name is Daniel Hopewell here with Simon Delaney and this is episode 48, How to Build a Brilliant Value Exchange Program. And joining us back on the show today after his brief cameo at PR Live is George Collins from Leeds Navigator. Welcome back, George. Hi, how you doing? Good to see you guys again. Good to see you too. I say like that, you know, last time we saw you was at um, the PR Live and I wasn't involved in that one because the sound was a bit of an issue. Um, but it was, you know, I think we, we were kind of, it was like a false dawn. We were celebrating being out, talking to each other, you know, hugging each other. And then very quickly, <laughs> I feel like things have uh, un- unwound slightly. But back in that that kind of uh, that show, um, we talked uh, about Lee's Navigator in a kind of a broader sense and yeah, talked about PR Live in general and that kind of stuff. But um, today, there was, well, there's one bit of that show, um, the value exchange element, which we thought was really interesting. And we said, let's get you back and let's, um, let's focus in on that a little bit and answer that question, you know, how do you build a, a brilliant value exchange program? So to kick us off, George, um, could you just kind of like, I know it's a bit simple, but can you just clarify what we mean by value exchange? Yeah, sure. So when we um, when we look to engage with consumers, what we're essentially asking them to do is exchange their personal details um, so that we can uh, call them or send them some information as follow up as part of a, 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 a buying journey. Um, and so value in in that sense is if, um, if you give us your details, we're going to give you something in exchange for that. Um, so it might be some high quality content, um, downloadable content uh, specific to their needs, um, or it might be a physical item. Um, and typically organisations may use something like a pin badge or a tote bag, bag or something like that as, as the piece of value. Um, so in simple terms, that, that, that is the exchange. Your details, uh, knowing that you're going to receive a phone call um, and as a way of saying thank you for that. Uh, will will give you a piece of value. Where it, it, in terms of their kind of like from from a wider sense, where that fits in is we've got we've got something that we refer to as the consumer journey, which is essentially a series of mini conversions to increase somebody uh, somebody's intent or someone's someone's engagement with a, a particular brand or organisation. Um, and so the value journey, therefore, is how we start somebody from a cold relationship and in incremental stages start to build the value, start to nurture the relationship over time. Um, and so there's also another sense of value in there from an organizational perspective, from a lead buyer perspective, from a client perspective, in terms of the type of value that they're getting out of uh, um, consumers. So the, would these be leads that are generated by a third party that might not have, um, they're obviously opted in, but they might not be like brand specific or something, and then you'll take them on this journey and um, the incremental sort of value journey where they're uh, giving more and more details and getting more and more used to the product. Yeah, precisely. So w- we, we may know that we're trying to get them to this point. Um, in, char- in charity terms, that might be to a, a legacy, um, a legacy giver. And from a commercial perspective, it might be the kind of gold or platinum standard um, product. Uh, but um, in order to get them from cold, they don't know and they don't care about your organisation. Then they don't want to be uh, sold to. They've got no you know, inclination to have awareness about your organisation. How do we get them from that point to that point? 
without just having a kind of a spray and pray approach to calling data. And that's that's how we do it. And so we're we're taking them on 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 a journey precisely that. And in terms of the type of data, yeah, it's cold. So um, ideally, they shouldn't know your organisation. That's where the kind of greatest amount of value I think comes for organisations who are buying this type of data. It's more expensive than other type of data because uh, there's more to it. Um, but uh, generally speaking, it's uh, collected via digital means, usually Facebook. Facebook is at the core of everything that we do at Navigator. Um, and so for us, it's very much um, Facebook. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's that's where we engage with them. Uh, and then we take the individual on the uh, on the journey. Just just quickly, what's the um, what does that journey look like in terms of percentages? So when it starts like 100% cold and then what sort of ends as this uh, legacy giver? What does legacy giver mean? Is that um, long term donor? Or? Uh, so a legacy di uh, giver is, um, uh, I'm going to use another um, uh, industry term, which I, uh, I said I wouldn't, which is a gifts in will. So when somebody dies, they leave a, a their estate or a portion of their estate to a charity. Right. Um, and ultimately, um, that's you know, that's the kind of, that's, uh, that's what we're all um, working towards, essentially, is having that kind of relationship with a consumer where they feel, you know, they feel empowered to leave something to charity. It's like that's the best kind of relationship. Wow, yeah, yeah. I didn't realise it was that yeah long and deep. So it sounds a bit of a strange euphemism, but um, I didn't realise it was that uh, <laughs> yeah went that far. So you're right. The amount of sort of nurturing that would take is huge. Then because they've really yeah. got to be invested in the brand, right? And I, I think it's, we have to be careful not to sound really crass. You know, we're not kind of um, uh, lead generating for uh, for death. Uh, but you know, it's you know, from a from a uh, charitable income perspective, it's really key, um, and um, you need to get yourself aligned correctly. And that's that's one type of product. Um, I'm also um, uh, heavily invested uh, within the lottery uh, sector, the charitable lottery sector, um, and likewise, you know, in order to engage um, people who might want to uh, support charity through incentivised giving, this is another way of generating um, support or. Uh, regular giving, so a monthly donation, example, to take somebody from cold, they don't know who you are, they, they have no reason to care about who you are, and then you're asking them for 10, 20, 50 pounds a month. That's quite a step. Um, and you know, things like platforms like Facebook allow you to do that. Um, but it's, you know, if you want sustainability and scale, um, you can't rely on kind of lazy marketing, which is, is what that is, like, you know, Here's something. Does it catch your interest? Buy it. Um, it we're, and that's why we're kind of elongating the journey. Um, uh, mini conversions, engagement grows, trust grows, awareness grows about the brand, and uh, the consumer is in a good in a good spot to want to uh, give uh, for a you know, to buy a product for long term. Is that, do you know the cold point? Sorry to just go back to this. Is that from seeing the ad, or is that from actual data collection? So cold is. Um, uh, I mean, cold is defined really. So, from a from an interest perspective on Facebook, it would be um, they the individual has some kind of affinity with the organisation. Uh, they sit from an interest perspective or a behavioural perspective. They sit within groups that look like people who support those organisations or buy from those types of organisations if they're commercial. And um, so, um, to define what cold means, it means. They have no relationship with that organization as of today, and we're looking to change that. Yeah, cool.
one thing you sort of like half suggested there, which I want to kind of you know get to the bottom of because I might maybe I've misinterpreted this. Almost like a, a level of exclusivity in the offer, in the sense you were saying things people might be interested in inherently other people won't be interested in. So in that yeah, sense, yeah. do you try and like qualify people by picking things that are only gonna get certain people in? Yeah, so like like most other forms of lead gen, there's a there's a funnel going on. So top of, middle of, bottom of funnel. Um, and where we where we uh, came into value, I, I've said on the on the last uh, chat we had that value exchange has been around forever, and and it has. Um, what we have found, in our opinion, what we found is that the value exchange campaigns are often quite broad. So it's you know, it's a pin badge or it's a bag, and whether you want to support or engage with an organisation or not is almost irrelevant because the bag is actually pretty handy. It looks cool, and I wouldn't mind one. Because uh, I'm, you know, I, I I go shopping, yeah. You know, and so the engage the reason for engagement is is not as clean. So yeah. our kind of our recipe on that is that we want to make the item really specific to the organisation. So it carries specific information. It's engaging and it educates. Educate is a is a big one for us. It's you know you as a as a cold supporter, cold consumer uh, are able to be part of this. There's a problem that we're trying to fix. Or there's a product that we need you to buy um, and uh, by claiming this item it will be relevant to you and it's relevant to us and therefore we get we get off on the right on uh, on the right uh, uh, pathway and um, so yeah I think the, the bit around it being exclusive um, is is more about relevancy I think um, we know that we are funneling potential consumers uh, by the product that we're offering um, so that it's specific the yeah it makes complete sense because obviously that builds awareness of the vertical and the brand and the charity if uh, that's what's uh, relevant to what um so do you know once you've collected the leads they've moved from this sort of cold but there's awareness or they're in the right they're what you call an icp like an ideal customer profile um the next step is they then become a lead, right? And that is that the point that the value exchange takes place initially. Um, and then what happens? So then they either become a donor or don't. Do you? The thing with the sort of micro journey, do you? Um, sorry, the micro moments within the journey. Do you offer additional value exchange in like a next step beyond that as well? Or yeah, um, so, so we certainly can do, and it, it's a little bit dependent on what the end goal is. Uh, because it might be the value exchange could be a, something digital, so it could be a, a, a digital download, for example. And um, we, when we talk about the journey, we 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 don't use awareness consideration purchase. We use living, breathing, buying, um, and on the basis that it's not it's not a linear journey. It's organic, and you go back and forward. And so, likewise, in terms of the micro moments, I like um, I like that term, the micro moments within the journey. Um, sometimes they have to adapt and change. So a vanilla campaign would be, um, we're serving uh, ads to a, a specific group. Uh, the product is relevant to them and we know that based on their behavior profile and their interest profile. They claim the item and they, uh, they then become a lead at that point. Uh, that lead is then, um, there's then an action taken on that, be it direct mail, uh, phone call, uh, email, etc. Um, but they, they could, yes, there could be uh, cases where we're supplementing other information or other send uh, information um, within the journey uh, to either 
um, provoke uh, the individual taking a call, for example, um, or um, uh, them wanting to get more information so it's more relevant when uh, the next action is taken. So an example of that would be to use the telephone as uh, as a you know, as the kind of medium from a next action perspective. Um, invariably, uh, it, uh, consumers will claim an item uh, and they'll say, yes, please send it to me and here, here are my address details and uh, I've opted in and I'm very clear of what's going, uh, of, you know, what, what the next stage is. Um, but then um, we're then unable to contact them. Um, and so there might be other stages of value or other stages of information that we're then providing that gap uh, so that um, we can uh, have a chat, uh, have a chat to them. Yeah, makes sense. The um, term value, just to kind of bring it back around, is um, I guess it's like quite a broad spectrum um, of what that can be. So within that spectrum, how do you kind of measure and identify that that perfect point where what your the outlay is not too great, but then you're getting sort of the reward from it? Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, it's actually a pretty big question, I think, and I'll try and be as succinct as I can on that one. I think. Um, so from a lead generation, a lead costing perspective, value exchange is definitely more expensive. You know, it can be three, four, five times more expensive than just buying um, uh, leads that have low intent. Um, and so there's an inherent value added to a lead that um, knows about your organization, knows the products you're going to call them about, knows that you're going to, they're going to be receiving a phone call um, and arguably when you know, it's going to be in the next 24 hours. Um, there's an inherent value there that isn't um that can't necessarily at you know at early stages be coded or understood what that value is but from a kind of a projection uh, perspective what we we've got this um with process we we go through called roi before you buy um, and so we're looking at a worst expected and best case on every outcome um, and so actually you can calculate what the value of that lead is to your organization because with you know we think with gdpr legitimate interest, the permission rate of the data afterwards, it might be that you're engaging that consumer on a particular offer or a particular product now, and they may take that, they may not, but if they don't, or even if they do, they may then also go on to buy other uh, uh, other services or engage with other products. A good example of that is we always put a thank you card uh, into physical packs that we send out. Um, it's super simple, and it's a really nice way of just in very play in a very plain and simple way saying thank you very much for supporting us even if this is what you do uh all, all that you do with us um uh, you've helped uh, you know lift the awareness of our brand um but they'll often then go onto the web shop and buy something or you can put a discount code in there you can track the code and you can see that the lifetime value is then increased incrementally uh, um, at that point so value is a big it's a it's a big point that's totally from a kind of lead buyer and client perspective the value from a supporter or a consumer is then almost a different conversation because we, we don't want them to just be claiming a bag because it's useful. We want them to be claiming something relevant because it's impactful uh, and it educates them. You um, Is the conversion rate measured of um, like value exchange versus like straight lead gen? Uh, yeah, I mean, so we've got, uh, I think it's 11 or 12 different measures that we have throughout the journey from collecting the data at your know, cost per thousand all the way through to conversion from lead, conversion from um, click. Um, 
uh, and kind of all the way through. Um, that 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 conversion rate differs per uh, per organisation, but there are definite there are definite stages that you 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 have a great deal of control over in terms of um, how quickly an individual goes through a journey or what type of information um, they're downloading or uh, claiming. Um, so yeah, from a kind of from a conversion uh, perspective, um, we uh, on a kind of again a, a sort of vanilla campaign we'd expect a 15% conversion um, of the good leads that come through um, uh, and that, that's that's pretty robust um, like anything um, what like our, our stance on this is that we can't build something that's absolutely perfect at, at the beginning um, so better never stops is one of our values and it's let's get into the market try the offer um, take the benchmark and take the experience of what we've done on across a number of different campaigns make a start and then grow by one or five percent each time over and over uh, and uh, we've seen a really nice gradual increase in conversion rate or contact rate penetration rate of the data over campaign uh, campaign to campaign i wouldn't mind seeing your value uh, playbook you've mentioned them a few times there's some good stuff in there i think <laughs> send them well, it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean it's it, it, it's open source i mean we're um we uh, we've got uh I, you can tell that we've we've just been through a branding exercise because I'm talking about our values a lot, but um, uh, slightly tongue in cheek. Genuinely, we do live by the values, but we've got this value called triple win, which is basically um, yes, it's about the client, um, yes, it's about the, the consumer, but it's also about us as well. Um, and um, we've always been in a position where we've been kind of open book with what we do. We're happy to share what we do on the basis that um, if someone else does it and optimizes it and does it better, we have to then keep up with them. And then we can be out in front of them and it kind of snowballs so we're um we're, we're certainly happy to, to share what we've got um uh with you guys and do you know when you um work with a new client so you do the um the value exchange so you'll put together a sort of program where you're saying you know we're going to go after this sort of target audience this is the proposition we're going to give them what um what part does the client take in that? Because obviously they're going to want to know well, what will this person receive and how is it relevant to us? But also when a lead then comes in, let's imagine it's going to a call center because it's a, like a uncontrollable contact from your side. Does the agent know um, what this program has been and can they reference it as part of like the value exchange so they can talk about what the person has just received or the offer or whatever else? Yeah. Um, so um, again, it, it, it will sort of depend on uh, on, on the, the the client and, and, and the products and things. Um, generally speaking, so where where we kind of came from, we we always started with being really kind of here are five or six different options for every for every single stage. Um, and although the clients, I think, appreciated that at first, what we were doing is we were loading a load of complexity into the into the journey which was then also i think kind of felt within the consumer journey so one of our own optim optimizations is lessening that we know what works we've got a really good recipe let's start there uh, and sometimes that's with a with uh, we're doing this with you guys at the moment where we you know we started with a client on a single uh, data entry um, uh, landing page um, and we know that we want to do two or three different things around increasing the level of intent of a consumer. So we're now adding in multiple stages. So rather than saying to the client, you'd have one stage or multiple stages, it's we start on one page, uh, we see how that works, run that for one or two campaigns, then we move to a multiple stage. 
and then and, and it goes on. Um, so that's that's the kind of you know in terms of level of input. Um, we're um, although uh, Valex Value Exchange has been around forever, it's still kind of new, and it's one of those. I think it's one of those classic products, and it's almost like I think where Facebook is a little bit now, um, where people have tried it in the past, and it's been all right. You know, the the, the performance has been okay. Um, it, we might look at it again in the future, and it's kind of one of those products. And so we've, I think, like we feel like we've refreshed it. Um, we're getting better results than clients did previously um, who used it, and, and for the clients who haven't used it, um, then it's you know it's it's a viable channel. Um, and so it's kind of yeah, it's it's kind of it's, it's quite interesting um, from uh, from uh, from that perspective. But I think their level of input, therefore, I think they're waiting for us to. Um, they being our clients are kind of looking for some handholding from a um, from a, a, a dialer perspective to use the telephone example uh, for the second part of the question, which uh, is uh, yes, absolutely. They're they're aware of the campaign, the client, the products, where the leads have come from, what happens at the next stage, and that that bit is absolutely key. You know, all we're doing is we're getting the right type of people, making sure the data is absolutely clean. To use your phraseology, that they that the data represents a human. So that when the telephone agency gets um, gets that data, they're having a really good conversation, um, and so they need to be able to know how to how to answer questions about it. So we invest time in scripting, invest time in training, um, etc. One of the other things we we've tried in the past is adding in kind of qualification questions. So from a lottery perspective, if you won the jackpot, what would you spend your money on? Uh, four or five options, and then the dialer can say, oh, I can see if you won the money. Uh, you'd buy a X, Y, and Z. Yeah, um, you don't you don't want to leave that to free choice, right? Yeah, quite. Yeah, quite. Um, and we, we've had some interesting results that have come out of that. Um, and I think that's um, one of the things that we're still looking at how relevant that is. But just to make the point that everything that goes on at the front end, the person who's actually doing the real hard graft um, uh, knows uh, what's kind of come before and what's going to happen after. I think one of the things that you mentioned with the value proposition is and something that I think, as you mentioned, it's gone on previously, but what I think has happened in the past is it's never been associated to the actual brand or the company doing it. I think, you know, a lot of times you call them something else, which is incentives. And so people running lead gen have always had like a potential issue with an incentive because they'll go like, well, the lead, what are they actually interested in? Do they want our product or service or do they want this thing and i think that's why having it attached to the brand in some way or relevant to the vertical or something i think it does two things it actually potentially qualifies the user um in a way rather than it be you know oh win a hundred grand whatever i mean take the lottery thing out of it because that incentive that is the incentive you know? but, just, but just on, on that point we um we don't we don't position lottery at the front end it's right. about the item, yeah. And so your point's right. You know, it, they they have pre-qualified themselves, and it just so happens that in this particular pathway, um, that in uh, lottery is then in, introduced, or or another product in the mm. commercial sense is then introduced. So yeah, definitely. I think it's an issue they've had in the past with like co-reg, you know, where someone's come in and it's like, I don't know, win a Ferrari or something, and then the first question has been, you know, or no, sorry, they've then done like co-sponsor and sold it to like mobile phones, but again, like and they'll go oh i thought I was, are you ringing about the ferrari and they're like no i want to try and sell you a mobile phone but yeah. imagine this the the incentive is more like i don't know get a sim card so that you can do x with it it's and that 
value product that becomes like a value exchange that's relevant to the products and you could even like incentivize it with the product very few companies do that because they're not necessarily working with those um courage companies directly but while i've seen it you know we've done it in the past before with energy where we do like um when your energy paid for a year and then the first question like as part of the competition or the value exchange was how do you pay your energy and so like it associated that immediately with this thing of winning it and then they come in and answer a bunch of other questions but the conversion yeah. rates were massive compared to it not being associated to that competition right. you could like measure it directly yeah that's cool that's really cool i think uh, some of it is also kind of psychology as well um mm. uh, so from a uh, from a buying perspective why are we going to pay 60 or 70 percent more per lead uh, we need volume uh, which is uh, another conversation that uh, I know that you guys uh, talk about. Um, but actually, you know, looking at quality over quantity and the type of conversation you can have. Um, the other psychology bit is is the I kind of alluded to it a moment a moment ago, which is around the value of a lead. So whether the consumer purchases now or not, there's still an intrinsic value to that lead because they're a real person. They're interested in your brand. Uh, they've demonstrated that because they've claimed an item, they've made a, a or two or three or four mini micro mini conversions. Um, and so there is a, there is a, uh, uh, yeah, there's a value to that. And um, so I think it's definitely how, how, how the lead generation is, is kind of looked at and uh, perceived. We're going to steal that micro moments. What was the other one that we... That's good. I'm, I'm we stole, we stole micro, the... micro branding. We micro right. branding. That's what we call it. micro stuff going on. But yeah. But micro machines, those little cars. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, on the, just quickly on the, on the point around the brand, uh, what we haven't done yet is looked at brand lift. So in the marketing, like uh, in the marketing advertising arena, um, the term incrementality is used a lot. Take do something here, and there are um, actions that are taken elsewhere. Um, there, we've definitely seen, and, and we're kind of tying some data down at the moment on a couple of clients where. We've seen some act, the action from value exchange has led to X, Y, and Z, um, and I think the bridge uh, we need to create a bridge around kind of identifying what 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 that lift is. Um, but um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we we've we've spoken about it before when we were um, looking at stuff like um, yeah, you know, native where they have advertorials, and um, let's say I don't know ninety percent of the people that click the advertorial don't then actually become a lead. They've just read the advertorial. But the amount of information they've just absorbed, either yeah. around that particular company or that vertical, um, yeah, number one, you've got the opportunity with that individual at some point in time, and they have either been exposed to a brand and might then go directly. It's really funny. It's something that in um, B2B is now being termed dark social, and we've never really coined a, a phrase for it, I don't think, in other than branding maybe in B2C. But it's this idea that um, yeah, all what happens outside of the arena of lead gen, where it's like you know everything's measured, is actually where a lot of this stuff's taking part, and it, some of it cannot be measured because of the very like nature of it. But someone someone takes part in like a, a micro moment and is exposed to a brand. A week later, they're in a shop and just speaking to someone that happened to mention that brand. And the only way that's happened because of the exposure they've had at that moment. And nobody ever, I mean, we've, as you know, we've spoken about this loads where no one ever measures it. No one measures all the ads that come in with Legion. And, and the thing is, 
if the brand is associated with it or the vertical even that's just like a hundred percent free for the brand or the vertical because most of the people running the lead gen are all getting paid in a cpl right then they're doing it all at the coal face it's all being like paid in a cpc cpm whatever um and i think you know it's one of these things where companies spend billions every year really badly on programmatic ads like through massive exchanges it never works and the way they judge the like success of it is on like clicks or amount of people you know eyeballs you get the same thing with lead gen it's just that you're measuring like leads or sales on the back end of it it's a real but the thing is and this is why you find lead generators never run on like shitty places that don't perform because you can't afford yeah. to do it um 100 percent, 100 vanity versus sanity is what that is isn't it yeah, um, exactly. You can, you can create noise very, very easily, and uh, you can make yourself feel good really, really quickly. But you know, it doesn't it doesn't account for sales. I think the the other bit that you mentioned there around the engagement piece, I think it's also. I mean, we're we're talking about digital, and you know, uh, we've got a very digital agenda. Um, but also, you know, from a um, even from a face to face perspective, if you think the wasted conversations that I had because the individual is incentivized on making a sale. Uh, on the street, at a door, in a supermarket. Whereas actually there, there is a degree of uh, lead generation or value exchange that could happen as part of that conversation. It's not just about the financial, because if you take people on a journey, uh, yes. you know, that's, a, yeah, that's, a, that's how marketing has evolved. But kind of over the last five years or so, we've become seemingly quite lazy in terms of, you know, it's just, I have to have a conversation. I have to make a sale to you now. And if I don't make a sale, move aside because I need to talk to the next person yeah, yeah and yes. I think that's on I think that's on channels over really and that's why you end up with like you know 90% of the leads that don't ever convert just get left behind and no one ever does anything with them at best they have like a junior marketer sat sending like cat memes or something to them or you know pictures of Halloween in the office or something I mean, I mean and it's like why why yeah. it's like you look at the open rate but it's not making any sales so yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so, I mean, we've touched on quite a bit there. We've gone all over the shop as presented on this podcast, you know, sort of meander in different directions. Um, so what I'm going to do to bring this back around and to answer the question, how to build a brilliant value exchange program, I'm going to press you slightly, George, put you on the spot here. Um, feel free to ignore me, but I'll, I'll at least attempt to have some structure. Um, so people listening who want to build a value exchange program, and you can approach that either from the perspective of a brand or from someone who wants to do it in, in your sense, I'll leave it up to you. Um, to, end, to wrap things up, can I get some tips from you? Just you know, repeat things we've already said, but just important things to consider, some valuable tips people listening can sort of take on board and end with. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll condense my, condense my thinking now. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of things about the campaign itself. So I'll start kind of in the middle, um, which is around uh, engagement. So in our, from our perspective, the, the campaign, the physical item, the value, the piece of value that's being exchanged has to be genuinely um, in, uh, interesting. Um, if, it's, if it's broad and pin badgy or tote baggy, our, uh, our opinion is that it, you're just you're, you're nurturing or you're garnering the wrong kind of relationship. So engagement, make it engaging. Uh, and it needs to be engaging to new audiences. We're massively focused on growth. Uh, and new relationships for our clients, new consumers. Um, and so it has to appeal to, to brand new audiences. 
the other one is um, experience. So kind of thinking about like how how difficult is it for the individual to engage with it? Um, do they get it? Is it interesting? Uh, which is kind of the engagement bit. But then the, the actually the, the journey they have to go on. If it's massively complex, they're probably going to fall out of love with it quite quickly. Um, and because we're dealing with cold audiences, uh, it needs to just be simple. Education uh, is the third one. Um, so I mentioned this earlier. It needs to educate the consumer as well. Whether they become a lead, whether they become a sale or not, um, we are uh, trying to use this also as a brand awareness piece. So if the item or the value exchange can educate, um, then they are kind of they are part of the solution. Whether they choose to be part of the solution in a uh, in a monetary way now or later, that will remain to be seen. Um, and then the last one is um, in like the, the level of intent. So we massively believe in this whole. Uh, uh, data should represent should represent a human. We massively like buy into that. Um, we peddle it as our own uh, in in many cases. Um, but uh, that level of intent, like if you understand the individual, you can increase the level of uh, content intent of a consumer. And therefore, when they receive a phone call or they receive an ask or they receive a request for uh, you know a sale, it shouldn't be a surprise. And I think if if you can take those those points, engagement, experience, education, intent, if you can take those those elements, uh, you'll, you've got the smattering of a, a pretty strong um, uh, a strong value exchange program. I think the, the other bits left and right are have good kit, make sure it's transparent, make sure it's compliant, work with suppliers who have got good creds and they can provide benchmarks and references and all those sorts of things. But that's kind of that's that's no brainer stuff. Uh, but um, yeah. Uh, hopefully that answers answers your question. Okay, that's that was that was brilliant. That's a brilliant way actually. And I think it's helpful because I say it's our fault. We can just you know, wander all over the shop on here, but it's nice to bring it back around. I think people listening, that's a really strong way to um, to finish it because I think it perfectly um, yeah get people started on this program. So yeah, thanks so much, uh, George, for coming back to us. Um, yeah, by you. a Zoom this time, and um, please yeah, hopefully last time this yeah. My fault, but the sound quality was awful. So it's nice to actually. Yeah, we, we can we can hear you now. I I could hear you last time, but uh, no one else could. So <laughs> yeah, apparently you, you you were actually speaking, Simon. I mean, <laughs> uh, like, exactly. <laughs> well, the the problem is having a very uh, apparently my voice very deep. It's we actually have to adjust the bass on it. So in a, in something <laughs> like that arena, you just can't hear it at all. It's just like a low rumble. I mean, there, there was uh, a thousand people in that room. So, uh, yeah, it, I mean, sound quality, it, well, I think it was pretty good. I think I, I could hear. So, cool. So, good. Good to see you guys. Yeah, you too. Thanks, good George. To Thank you. Thanks for listening to the B2C Lead Generation podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world.